When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dr. D here, popping in just to tell you about our friendly neighborhood painting gallery. The painting gallery with no name is a friendly painting competition to encourage accountability to that pile of shame. At the end of the season, praise and prizes will be given out as a reward. At the end of the season, the Fury's Finest Discord will vote on two winners. These winners will get a prize, and then we will raffle out additional prizes to the remaining participants. We will announce the winners on the show and celebrate one of the best parts of the hobby. This season's theme is an Asgardian. MCP, 3D printed, or a Marvel board game will all count as long as they follow this theme. Remember, take a picture of your unpainted or lightly painted model, then paint the heck out of it. Take four photos of your freshly completed masterpiece and send us all five photos to furypainting at gmail.com by October 3rd to submit your entry. Make sure your five pictures have your name on the file so we know who to send the prizes to. Good luck and have fun. I speak for everyone when I say we are excited to see what you managed to paint. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea. Bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about a discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I am doing absolutely fantastic. And I just got to say, man. Big congratulations on winning the Lone Star Open. Incredible. Folks, the brand is strong. (laughs) Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, it was not an easy tournament at all for good reason. There was some incredible players there, and I'm sure you heard on the episode with Omnis. The steps I had to go through to get to that point in the tournament was not easy. And that's honestly ideal, Chris. When you pay for a con like that and you get to go and you get to play great players and have a great time. And then you make the cut and you go to the next day and you play the best players of that first day and you just keep playing players like that. And man, you learn a lot. I learned a lot. I I can't imagine. Yeah. I was running on very little sleep and lots of travel (laughs) and uh, just trying to focus on my team, you know, mutant and proud here. (laughs) And uh, it was a blast. It was, it was a blast. And I'm just in love with the X-Men right now, but I'm also looking forward to a lot of teams in the future as we talked about in our recent mini stravaganza, like teams like Hydra, you know, I'm really looking forward to trying out these new teams, but I think X-Men is going to be one of my main homes for a long time. Like it's going to be that place I return to because something's clicked, man, in these last couple oh, that's months, great. you know, for sure. To get a win like that against just some absolutely incredible competitive players that your competition was just incredibly stiff up there, man, to get 
a win like that after a long day, yeah, I would say you better love the X-Men. They they really delivered for you. They did. And, you know, there's just cool things I can gather from my games and looking at my what I played and what I didn't play and stuff. And, you know, there's stuff like I played Rogue two times, you know, out of six no games. No way. Just didn't need her. Unfathomable. Or the threats just came up in certain ways where it just wasn't feasible. You know, there's just interesting things like that happen like that when you play opponents and absolutely you know, they they win priority and then you've only got so many choices on thread and a lot of crazy things. I learned a lot this weekend and maybe something we can talk about more on After Dark. All the little things I learned, either rules wise or just like matchup dependent things like that. We're gonna get to more of that in the future. And anyone that um, of course is interested in learning X Men, definitely reach out to me or someone like Omnis, who once again is another pillar of this X Men community that I'm just happy to be in. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to LVO now, man. I have a seat at LVO. That's the craziest part. That's so cool. I'm gonna play all these great players again. <laughs> I'm. I mean, I'm actually jealous. Uh, I'm going to try to be at LVO, but yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. That's the plan. You know, it's hard. I make all my money on the weekends, and that's when all these tournaments happen. So it's tough. It is tough. That is how the tournament life goes. But yeah, we're definitely planning on making an appearance to LVO and just meeting everybody and networking and hopefully meeting a lot of patrons and the list goes on. You know, there's a lot of things. So we'll talk more about that when we get closer to next early next year. But today, Chris, we're actually back in our normal format of our show. I say that because it's crazy. We've had all these news roundups. We had mini stravaganza. We had our Multiverse of Madness review, and then, of course, my Lone Star Open tournament report. And so many things that obviously have been paramount to get out before Dr. Voodoo, which is a crazy thing to say. But we're finally at Dr. Voodoo. We're finally at the end of our Midnight Sun series as of now. I, I say crossing my fingers. Right. Something we might return back to in the future. But yeah, I'm really excited to announce that you know we're finishing our Midnight Sun series today after this episode. But this is also the start of a new series, Chris, where you're starting our Convocation series. So today is sort of this midpoint episode where it's Midnight Suns, but it's also Convocation, kind of the beginning of Convocation in a way, because Voodoo is a affiliated convocation member you take a lot oh i love a good lore double dipping absolutely yeah i'm not complaining but with all that said chris i think we just got to take care of our business and get into dr voodoo fury's finest is supported by discount games inc go to discountgamesinc.com for all your marvel crisis protocol needs our patrons support Fury's finest at patreon.com slash fury's finest if you enjoyed this show and like to join our discord community Consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. You can be a patron as low as $1 a month. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we have a very special shout out to our patron of the week, and that is Andre. Andre, thank you so much. Thank you, Andre, for your patronage. And of course, we have to thank our Avenger producers that make this show happen. Rusty, Dylan, Nathan, Brian, and Rich. Thank you, Avengers, for making the show what it is. Thank you so much. All right, Chris, let's get over to Dr. Voodoo lore. Well, Jesse, it's going to be an interesting one this week. Jericho Drum is an honest-to-goodness minor character in Marvel. And we've had a few of these on the show. Okoye comes to mind. This one is being a little bit different, as Okoye is, Okoye is kind of a star orbiting the Black Panther universe. Mm -hmm. Yep. Dr. Voodoo, Jericho Drum is his own thing. 
He's not. He wasn't brought in by any other superheroes. He's it's not wild. closely tied to any other superheroes. As a matter of fact, he doesn't always play well with other superheroes. He <laughs> has been his own. He's teamed up with quite a few people, but in actuality, he was introduced during this this time in the seventies when Marvel is introducing and good on them for this. I'm glad it happened. Just introducing a ton of persons of colors as characters and main characters as heroes in the Marvel universe. And, you know, these are where we get some of our most beloved characters. Luke Cage comes to mind. One of my favorite characters in Marvel. I mean, absolutely. The power man of your set. You're referencing that this is the same era of time bringing this representation. Absolutely. This is, this is, Cage 19, is a good example. Yeah. This is 1973. Uh, Dr. Voodoo Jericho drum is going to make his first appearance in strange tales. Number 169, June of 73. So this is, this is that era of just a ton of black superheroes in particular being introduced by Stan Lee. And it's awesome. And most of them, completely get just over with fans, right? right? But there's something about Dr. Voodoo, and I'll let you all guess what that thing might be that just <laughs> kept him out of the spotlight for Marvel. And, and a lot of times just left Marvel scrambling to figure out what they had with him. You know, what, what was he in particular? But now that we've established that, let's talk <laughs> about Let's talk about Jericho Drum's superpowers a little bit. This Dr. Voodoo that is introduced to us by Atomic Mass, this version that we have in the game, is very clearly pre-Jericho becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, but post him ditching the Brother Voodoo moniker and kind of trying to stop being a superhero altogether in a sense. And Mm. then he comes back to re-embrace his role as a uh, voodoo, but this time Dr. Voodoo. And of course that will lead up to him becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, which I think we will cover in an- another time. But I do want to point out that this is a very specific Dr. Voodoo that we're getting. Okay, Chris. So all that said with Dr. Voodoo, we got to ask the question. We always ask at the top of every show. Who is the character of Dr. Voodoo? Dr. Voodoo alias Jericho drum. He is one of Marvel's most powerful mystical characters. His powers are derived from a different magic from <laughs> Doctor Strange. Uh, he is more, he is a voodoo based character, but that's kind of where the similarities end between Doctor Voodoo and the real life practicing of voodoo. They're, they're very much not really connected in any way. Real life voodoo is very different from what we're presented here in uh, Marvel Comics, but Jericho. Gets trained in these mystic arts after returning to Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where he is, where he was brought up, born and raised. So upon arriving in Port-au-Prince, Jericho is confronted with the fact that his brother is essentially being murdered uh, by an evil Loa that has inhabited a a body. And this is going to lead to Jericho training in the arts of voodoo and taking up this mantle of the Hugan that his brother has relinquished upon death. and gaining all of these powers and what are these powers you may ask there's a lot the main powers that dr voodoo possesses through the marvel run would be command of all living things he has a command of fire not only does his brother spirit residing in him empower him but his Mm -hmm. brother daniel can possess his enemies and has in, in many to great effect over the course of marvel history dr voodoo can talk 
to Loa, summon Loa, request their power. He can. One of his most powerful abilities, of course, is instant teleportation with very, very, a very broad range. He can take you across, you and your friends across the globe in a split second. And, you know, logistically, that's just insane. We're Marvel Crisis Protocol players. We know that movement is a big deal. Absolutely. Voodoo wears a mystic medallion that serves as a focus of his powers. It's a uh, focus and contact point for him and his personal Loa. He has uh, used some guns at times. And upon becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, uh, he was given the power of the Eye of Agamotto, the Cloak of Levitation, and the Books of Knowledge. So all very, very powerful Sorcerer Supreme artifacts passed on from Doctor Strange, when he stepped down from being the Sorcerer Supreme for a time. So Voodoo's powers, like the character, has been have been fairly inconsistent through the years, but I think the version that we have in MCP is a good representation of his powers uh, going into the kind of modern era of Marvel coming out of the 90s. But before we get too far into that, Jesse, we have to get into jericho's actual history and like we established in the powers section of the episode jericho was born and raised in port-au-prince haiti like i said upon returning to port-au-prince jericho is confronted with a situation where a loa has in taken over the body of one of its followers and this serpent loa is known as dambala dambala is there's not much more to it he is an evil loa he is the loa of snakes Mm -hmm. on the island of haiti and in marvel comics he is a bad guy and he kills daniel drum with his mystic abilities daniel's last words to jericho are to avenge him and to take up the mantle. And reluctantly, Drum does. He's trained by Papa Jumbo, who is literally hanging on to life in this realm only until he can find a worthy successor. After a few weeks of training, pretty quick training, Jericho Drum has mastered voodoo faster than anyone else Papa Jumbo has ever seen. <laughs> the cherry on top is Jumbo will conduct a ceremony that will bind Jericho's brother's soul, brother Daniel, to Jericho's body. We all know what happens there. This is going to give Jericho just a lot more strength. He's superhuman strength, speed, reflexes now. And with brother Daniel, he is able to defeat Dembala, thus catapulting Jericho Drum, brother Voodoo at the time, into superherodom. Jericho would shore up his reputation in the early 70s here on the Isle of Haiti uh, by defeating several evil mystical practitioners. And then he will find himself moving to one of the top cities for mystics in the United States of America, probably one of the top cities for mystics in the world, New Orleans, Louisiana, the big sleazy. Love it. Nola. It's awesome, man. Uh, And he quickly establishes himself as a known superhero and mystic, though young superhero in New Orleans. And it is after this time when Marvel will start introducing him to other characters. He's going to start doing some team ups 
And those team-ups are going to include Spider-Man, Moon Knight, Jack Russell, the werewolf, the thing, and Black Panther. And Marvel tried. They really did try to get Brother Voodoo at the time off the ground and going. And though a lot of these stories, a lot of these comics are really not a bad read at all, especially for the era. Uh, It just never caught on. And thankfully, Marvel has a tendency to publish, especially back in this time, they had a tendency to publish some of the more inflammatory listener letters that they would receive about characters in the mail section of in the back of every comic. And these fan letters were about what you expected. A, a lot of people calling, you know, Satanism, you know, some yeah. even worse things, just just thrown off by the whole voodoo aesthetic, mm. the name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The nouns used, the settings, all, all these things. And then to top that out off, you know, we've got some questionable storytelling by uh, infamous comic writer Scott Lobdell in the 80s to really throw some water on whatever whatever flame is starting to pick up with uh, Brother Voodoo at the time, which is going to bring us into the 90s. Voodoo is going to start being used a little bit more in the greater Marvel narrative. You're going to see him start teaming up a lot more, uh, most importantly with Doctor Strange. And a lot of these times he will still be portrayed as lucky or maybe he does something wrong and other superheroes have to bail him out and things. And and his portrayal is just still inconsistent. He's going to show up with Daredevil. He's going to hunt vampires with Lilith. He's going to do a stint with Blade, uh, hunting Deacon Frost in New Orleans. He's going to assist Black Panther once again. He's going to actually bring Black Panther back to life using Moon Knight. But in all of these things, Jericho is is doing very big plot points. He's integral in these plots, but he's not really getting a lot of page time. He's not getting a lot of lines. His character is still just not sure. And that's going to kind of start changing. In the 2000s, he's going to find himself teaming up a little bit with Gambit in New Orleans, which kind of odd that it would take this long for them to team up. Brother Voodoo still at this time was a, a very, you know, known quantity. He was big in the mystic world. It, you know, kind of kayfabe as it were in Marvel. Either way, Jericho and Remy are going to team up a little bit, and this is going to set a more consistent tone in this story uh, for the character. And that's going to start the lead in to him becoming Dr. Voodoo. That's going to start the lead in to him becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, but it's going to take some time. He will side with Iron Man during the, during the superhero civil war, though he does correctly assess that (laughs) the whole civil war was a waste of time and uh, over uh, pretty trivial things that would ultimately lead to a power vacuum bringing in Norman Osborn and the Thunderbolts, the the Avengers initiative, I do believe Jericho is going to kind of recede for a while again. And Jesse, honestly, that's where we're going to have to table his lore discussion. But I think there's probably some more we can talk about with him. Well, I know those are the main story points of his past stories, Chris, but we can't end there. I know in recent times, now Dr. Voodoo 
has been involved with the Midnight Suns, and of course, as you alluded to at the beginning of the show, has some interactions with the Sorcerer Supreme and potentially becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, right? Absolutely. And I, I mean, I did gloss over it a little bit there in, in the history there, but during the his kind of team up with Blade, the heroes for hire are definitely involved in this, and he will actually he will actually uh, help revive the Iron Fist as we covered in our Iron Fist episode. This is when they bring Iron Fist back from the dead. It is Doctor Voodoo is the person that does that, barring some life force from Luke Cage. But yeah, as far as becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, there comes a time in Marvel, I think it's the 2010s, I could be wrong on that, Doctor Strange will start, will retire, essentially. His mistakes have compounded and compiled, and he can't take it anymore. And the Eye of Agamotto shows him 30 possible candidates to become the next Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, Of course, Jericho is one of those candidates. And Jericho will come into possession of the Eye of Agamotto, thus securing his spot as the Sorcerer Supreme. And then Stephen will give him the Cloak of Levitation, give him the Books of Truth. Stephen will even kind of coach him a little bit and serve as a little bit of a mentor. It's important to note that during his Sorcerer Supreme stint as Sorcerer Supreme, uh, Jericho really isn't used a ton by Marvel, he shows up when he obviously should, you know, when someone holding that station should be there, he's there. But he does get his own solo series during this time that's a pretty interesting read. And his whole demeanor through this time is kind of trying to prove himself. Uh, I think he feels a little bit inadequate. And how could you not following, you know, Stephen mm. Strange, who followed the Ancient One? That's a tough ask for anybody. But yes, he does become Sorcerer Supreme. It is cool. It's as cool as you think it is. It was just <laughs> painfully underused, Jesse. Mm. Yeah, I just love that like something that's crazy like that can happen, like the eye of Akimoto leaving being Doctor Strange and you know, Drum becoming the new Supreme is just a crazy thing. And you know, Chris, you mentioned early on him being brother voodoo for so long, and then he becomes Doctor Voodoo. I feel like that's some something we should talk touch on too. Well, Like I said, there's just not a whole lot of consistency in his story until the mid 2000s. So, and even in the 80s, he's just, he appears so sporadically. There's just not a consistent tone to anything he does. And in the 90s, he's just looking for footing. Marvel is just grasping at straws for this character. It feels like they're throwing every idea, every pitch that comes their way. They just say yes. And for a time, he even ditches he ditches Brother Voodoo without... He's trying to ditch Voodoo entirely. He's trying right. to uh, distance himself just from be being the who gone. Yeah, and he just wants to be Jericho. He wants to be a doctor. He wants to help people. You know, there's a lot of similarities there between him and Stephen Strange, of course. Yeah, different types of doctors, but yeah, they've, they've, but yeah. The school, uh, they've gone da- through the school. Daniel, yeah. Daniel will finally kind of convince him kicking and screaming you know back to being the hoongan of of haiti and you know back to guarding new orleans you know in a spiritual capacity i love it he's just an interesting character i really love kind of where they're going with him now i love to speculate i know you don't but i really do believe we Mm -hmm. will see a voodoo sorcerer supreme model from atomic mass one day you know i don't think it's anytime soon but i think it will come so Hopefully I'm not wrong and uh, we can do a 
Jericho Drum Sorcerer Supreme episode as well. Well, this is a very exciting character, Chris. There's a lot going on. I think something that we haven't talked about yet, something that you and I have talked about off mic a lot that I think is interesting about his character, which is uh, he is this guy that deals in voodoo magic and sort of dark magic in, like you said, not necessarily necromancy, but, you know, verging on the those oh, fringes of magic, he's right? Some, he's got some necromancy powers, man. Yeah, he's, I just know he doesn't like army, to. He's unwillingly used an army of the undead before. But yeah, keyword unwillingly. Yeah. And we're you're coming up with the keywords I was about to reference where it's like something you and I have talked about off of Michael a lot about this character. It's so interesting that he's got this power set. It's very dark. Obviously, dark pretense and events around his powers in general. I mean, his brother was murdered and now he he's inhabited by the spirit of his brother and gives him more access to these powers. But the character of Voodoo, at least in the modern sense, is more lawful good, right? Oh, I, he's a heart of gold type person. I Okay, yeah. So I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. I, yeah, I think he's always, always, always well-intentioned. Yeah, I Even like when that. he makes mistakes. Yeah, that's something I, I like that with his power set. Yes. The juxtaposition. Very much so. And look, I, I don't want to overstate this and I don't want to key on it too hard, but it has to be stated that a lot of his obscurity doesn't just come from the voodoo thing, doesn't just come from because he's black. I think you have to factor in the Haitian part of this thing too. Oh, wow. There's yeah. just a lot. There's a lot going on here that that puts him in firmly the the category of other and as we know humans are we are you know hardwired to not trust the other and to the you know like think about to a midwestern kid like yeah especially in the in the 70s like dr voodoo that's scary you know you've yeah. got the satanic panic going on that's you true know, you've got you know D and is evil and you know just a lot of stuff so there's just a lot of things conspiring against this awesome well-intentioned you know just really cool character <laughs> yeah heart of gold type lawful guy who really doesn't want to use his powers until he has to you know and these powers tend to be on the darker side of marvel and i find that just very interesting that sort of parallel marvel's drawn with him and actually expanded on more in recent years as you mentioned yes. as you've hinted at where it's like he's become more good and his powers have become more intense you know they've thought of different ways to use his voodoo and his necromancy and dark magic and everything in different ways and you know i feel like we we've talked about it chris you've mentioned it a lot but how bizarre and how amazing is it this character's power set and his relationship with his brother are the center point of this character you know his dead brother's spirit i mean it's it's kind of hard to wrap your head around in the world of marvel right that's another thing that's other absolutely absolutely great point i mean this is past dr strange right this is this is the next level we're in ghostwriter territory but yeah with ghostwriter at least uses christian imagery like yeah like right. voodoo ghost Rider has nothing to do with christianity even just like voodoo has nothing to do with voodoo but they pull yeah from the sources yeah, and correctly he's, you yeah. know he's a biker and a, you know a lot of things that are known uh so but it is the same vein okay uh, of powers of darker power use and i mean that's the midnight suns that's why they put him with blade that's why they put him with dare daredevil yeah perfect fit it is an absolutely perfect fit and i'm really absolutely hoping for more dr voodoo in the marvel 616 greater prominence i want more comics 
Seems like they're doing it too. Like the, it feels like that. Out. It feels like they're kind of exploring this extremely fertile ground. It's not many characters they've had from since 1973 that are as unexplored and as rich wow. and fertile as this one. You know, if you really think about it. So yeah, and he's a tough character to write. And he's a tough character to do his power set, and all. I I see all the reasons why. Like you said, he's a tough character to do a lore segment on too, because there's not a ton there. Honestly, a lot of these stories that he's in, I mm-hmm. don't really, I don't really even recommend to mm. read. Like, especially the Scott Labdell one, man. That one's just not even kidding. Big racist undertones, and it's abhorrent. Wow. Screw that guy, man. Yeah. Well, I think our lore today, though it is tough, it's more about who he is, what his powers are, how different he is than actually his history. Which is always my favorite style of lore section. I'm way Mine bigger too. on 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 concepts. I'm way bigger on meanings and metaphors than I am on the actual. In 1984, in this issue, he said this yeah. and did this. I love that stuff, and I'm so jealous of people that have brains that remember those encyclopedic type type right. uh, memories like that. But but we're trying to get away from stuff like that too on this show. Oh I'm yeah, sure we've, been doing, we've been doing a good job at that. I enjoy what we're doing, and I enjoyed this lore segment too well chris we got to move on to appearances in the mcu he has none yet but you know it's like now we have dates for blade they've talked about midnight sun show coming in the future so oh yeah the chances are growing by the day that he would appear in the mcu so i'm waiting for that time and i'm very excited who they would cast like this is very cool territory to be in you know but moving on from the mcu we got to close out our lore section like we always do with the chris comic book recommendation to get into Dr. Voodoo. So like I alluded to, there's not a ton of uh, Dr. Voodoo books. I really, really, really recommend at the moment. But right now I think you should go read Dr. Voodoo Avenger of the Supernatural volume one by Rick Remender and Mm. Jeff DiPaolo. It got canceled after five or six issues or something, but look, it's Remender. Go check it out. Excellent. Well, I think it's time to move on to Dr. Voodoo and Marvel Crisis Protocol, and let's go to strategy. Well, Chris, today's a big day. We're talking about one of the most interesting characters in Marvel Crisis Protocol who is all over the place in the game. Um, Less so now than he has been, rightfully so, I think. I think he maybe was oversplashed, but one of the coolest sculpts and one of the coolest models in the game and we're about to cover his card because it's pretty intensive and it's pretty interesting. What are your first thoughts before we even get into the strategy day just about this fourth threat character, Dr. Voodoo? I'll tell you, and I'll be 100% honest with you on this one. Dr. Voodoo gives me fits on the tabletop. So mm. I'm looking forward to understanding a little bit better, getting some tips from the Lone Star Open champion himself <laughs> on how to use this character better, or in my case, how to better deal with this character on the tabletop fair enough yeah this will definitely help you learn how to play him better and play against him better ideally because he's a very complex character so his name is dr voodoo his alter ego is jericho drum on his healthy side he has a stamina of six a move of medium on a medium-sized base so once again he's quite fast a normal height of two and he's a four threat character his defenses are two physical two energy and four mystic And on his injured side, he has a stamina of six, giving him a total of 12. But we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about his defenses, how they actually are right now while we're here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read 
His innate power, Spirit of Brother Daniel. This character, Dr. Voodoo, begins the game with the Brother Daniel token. While this character, Dr. Voodoo, has the Daniel token, add two dice to all your defense and dodge rolls. Additionally, during the power phase, you may move the token from anywhere to this character. So at the top of a round or during power phase, you can pull the token back to him. Whenever a character is dazed or KO'd while it has the Brother Daniel token, move the token to this back to this character. This character cannot have a Brother Daniel token except the one it begins the game with. And when this character is removed from the battlefield, remove the Brother Daniel token from the game. Additionally, whenever this character rolls dice, after the effect is resolved, he gains one power if he rolled at least one skull. It's one of my favorite things about Beast. Every time yes. I roll dice, if I get a skull, I get disconcerting yet provocative. Same with the voodoo. He's getting that voodoo power. But the power building aside, voodoo's defenses are actually, with the Daniel token, four physical, four energy, and six mystic. Whew. We just talked about all the ways the Brother Daniel token comes back to him. You can choose to during the power phase, whenever a character is dazed or killed, if they have the Daniel token, it comes back to him. And when Voodoo is removed from the game, the Daniel token is removed from the game as well. So that's important to know if we're going to his kit. But Chris, what do you think about this 12 stamina and some of these best defenses in the game? Four, four, six. Well, my theory of weird defenses means lots of text holds true it's a lot of text it's that a one lot power. of text man uh, no he's very he's just hard to get rid of yeah he's defensive he's so defensive and with uh you know one of his powers possession he just is also very very good at controlling and manipulating objectives so I, yeah look he's he's tough to deal with and those defenses only make it harder and we're going to talk about that Something I'll say right up top with Voodoo, right up top, that actually is his genuine weakness. He has amazing defenses. He has good average stamina for a four threat, really. And he's got some good immunities to help him stay around as well. Yeah, 446 is great, but Voodoo has no way to reroll defense dice. And Voodoo has no way to reroll attack dice. So he lives and dies by his raw dice pools, which are big. But, you know, I've got Beast, right? And I can spend a lot of power to reroll my all my defense dice, right? There's just True. things that he doesn't have that other characters have that have less defense stats, right? So it's an interesting thing to think about when you're playing him, when you're dealing with him. And just for this discussion we're about to have, he kind of lives and dies by his dice. That's interesting. Now, we're going to start with his attacks. He has two. His first attack is a mystic attack called Spirit Venom. It's a range three, strength of five, zero power cost attack. It's, this is his strike. It's a range three strike, which we always love here on Free's Finest. After the attack is resolved, Voodoo gains power equal to the damage dealt. And if he gets a wild, he will trigger sap power before damage is dealt. Before damage is dealt. Very important. The target enemy character loses one power for each wild in this attack roll. And then this character gains that amount of power. So sap power. It's on Rogue. It's on a lot of it. even yeah. early characters in the game. Some of our Cabal members. It's so good. It's such a strong ability. Yeah. Take power from your opponent and then you gain it is really strong. And then, of course, you deal damage to your opponent and then they gain power from that normally. But you take the power before that happens. I, I love it. It's a good way to mess up power math. But just closing out his attacks, he has a second attack that is a super cool spender that lives and dies by its dice. It's a mystic attack called the Staff of Legba. This is his staff, so it is a range two attack, so it has to be close. Strength of seven, power cost of three. It's where we like our spenders to be, three or less. It has a wild trigger of power burn if you get a wild. Before damage is dealt, if the target character the target character loses one power for each wild in Dr. Voodoo's attack roll, the target character then suffers one damage for each power lost in this way and then does not gain power 
for the damage suffered as a result of power burn. So that's the best part. Yeah. It's like a weaker penance stare in a way, but I mean, seven mystic dice is pretty good. It's not bad. The chance you're going to get a wild is high. A lot of the characters you want to use something like this on. So a lot of those big threat characters do have a high mystic defense. uh, So that is kind of a bummer, but you know, getting this uh, uh, off on a, on a uh, flit on an injured juggernaut would be pretty, pretty, pretty good. (laughs) That would be good. And I'll tell you now, Chris, while we're here, the best part of this ability is, is the wild trigger because this just deals straight damage with no defense rolls, right? If it goes the way you want it, if you get the bunch of wilds and the things go the way you want, if you get a bunch of wilds, they lose power and then they can't lose any more power for the rest of your wilds. They just start taking auto damage, little pings. And we know how powerful that is in this game. I mean, more powerful than big dice rolls. Of course, every time are these little bits of damage that are guaranteed um, or semi-guaranteed in this case. So this is a crazy way to finish characters off, you know, is like you're really just looking for the wilds more than the damage on the attack, right? And um, it's very cool. But turns out Voodoo's got a lot of superpowers he wants to spend his power <laughs> he on. He sure does. <laughs> Let's start with his first superpower, Jesse. It is an active superpower. It is possession. You will be spending X power on this. Dr. Voodoo may spend any number of power to use this superpower, choose an enemy character within range three of Dr. Voodoo with a threat value equal to or lower than the amount of power spent to use this superpower. The enemy character drops all objective tokens it is holding. Move the Brother Daniel token to that character while that character has the Brother Daniel token. It cannot interact with, hold, or contest any objective tokens. This is very very powerful. It's insane. So if somebody's holding two or three cubes, you just give them the Daniel token. They drop the Nuts. cubes. If somebody like a rogue, this happened to me at Lone Star Open, is very healthy and on a bunch of power, and she's ready to like pay to flip some objectives and do some attacks and stuff, and you know contribute to the secure. You drop this on her. Not anymore. She's no longer doing that, right? She can't do anything but throw dice. Now the cool part of this is the theme is so on point. AMG is just so powerful when they execute their themes where it's like he is sending daniel to be on that person to possess them so he is losing all his mystical defense that so when daniel is on them and they're possessed he is at this stat line of two physical two energy for mystic so it's a very interesting spot he puts himself in you know he wants to do this at the right time for sure but moving on he has another active superpower called spiritual strength this one costs three power choose an interactive train feature or enemy character both size two or less and within range two and throw it short but if this character has the brother daniel token on him you may choose his terrain feature of size three or less within two instead the super can only use once per turn. So pay three for three. We love it. But also pay three for a size two. Perfectly fine. I mean, Voodoo is really good at just throwing people off objectives and kind of being defensive on that objective. You know, that's that's a decent way to use him as well. Can I just talk about the flavor in these two active superpowers? Right. Do you do you have Daniel or do you not? Yeah. Truly <laughs> awesome. Uh, especially after deep diving this character for a couple of weeks. They just nailed it with this kit. It's truly an elegant design. Every one of his positives has a risk or or drawback to it in a way. Choices you have to make. Yep. It's it's very good. It's very powerful, yet there are ways around it. It's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's just a good throw. And it's not as good as the possession, but 
it's still a throw. Well, I just mean, there. yeah, just the whole flavor with Brother oh, Daniel absolutely. empowering yeah, yeah. him, all of that stuff. Like, it's just, it's consequential, yet it's also flavorful and fluff. It's just, it's well executed. Absolutely. And next we have a reactive superpower called Recall Spirit. Costs two power. When Dr. Voodoo is targeted by an attack, he may use the superpower, move the Brother Daniel Sogan back to this character from anywhere. So this is his sort of phasing on vision where you can just kind of like pay and switch and get your defenses back up. Now that character is no longer possessed, right? So you hopefully in this case, you possess someone, they went on their turn, they couldn't do the things they want to do, couldn't pick up the directions they want to do. And then they activated and now someone else is attacking voodoo and you're like, that's okay. I'll pay to bring Daniel back. I don't mind that they're not possessed anymore because they already went with their turn. Right. And they didn't get to maximize any objective play. So very strong for him to have power when he's flush on power, he can do all sorts of crazy stuff where he can possess a couple times maybe. And then he can pull Daniel back if and when he's attacked on the next turn something to think about with him but closing out his card chris he has an innate superpower of flight so i said he was fast i was not kidding he's the same speed as lizard with his wall crawler so awesome medium base medium move with no height restrictions because wall crawler and flight voodoo has flight and he has the immunity to hex and incinerate this is what takes him over the top bingo you know he has no dice manipulation like i talked about that's his true weakness but at least his defense dice cannot be re- reduced because of not exploding crits with hex. So, like I said, he's just raw power and raw dice, you know, and that's kind of cool. You can't really affect his dice that much, but he also can't affect them. He just kind of he's kind of rolling big raw mm-hmm. chunks of dice, and that's an interesting design space. Honestly, on his backside, nothing changes. So that's the character, Chris. And you know, just reading through his card. Outside that Spirit of Brother Daniel paragraph we read, it sounds fairly straightforward, but he's really not straightforward character. You know, um, as good as he is, and as many places he's splashed in the game and in the meta and all these things, because he is so strong, he's still very hard to play. You have to maximize things out of him. I mean, you really, he's one of these four threat characters that you want to maximize your actions out of him because he is so powerful. And if he's not gaining power and he's not doing much, that's kind of a detriment to him. You know what I mean? That's kind of a detriment. Mm, Yeah. Kind of like we think of our five threats, you know, I know he's not a five threat, but like he's one of the stronger four threats in the game. So if he doesn't get to do much and he's just kind of like sitting on a side point and the rest of the conflict's going on somewhere else, he's actually missing out on a lot. And you might want to just completely reposition, you know, go against your normal MCP judgment, which is focus on the objective because he's kind of got to get in that main fight. He's got to make people drop stuff. He's got to get these good strikes and these great spenders off and these throws and stuff when he can. And also try to be defensive because once again, he's just a defensive problem for your opponent to deal with if he has his Daniel token, I think. So make your opponent have to deal with him in that way. I'm not saying suicide him. Definitely don't do that by any, any means because honestly, he really just wants to be at range three. The Legba thing is if you're having to move to get into Legba, you probably should just be like double tap spirit venom and then maybe possessing someone else, you know, like make people come to him. Mm good point because i've talked about his dice i mean they can fail we know how bad defensive dice are in this game like in general like they're just not the good dice in the game they're the bad dice in the game and they fail you and put in this perspective the attack dice fail you a lot the attack dice will spike for you a lot defense dice are the same way but slightly worse i mean they will fail for you a lot with a little bit more (laughs) on top of that (laughs) and then they'll still spike sometimes but it's like they're just innately worse dice you know because they have less results that are positive so 
you don't want to get him too aggressive. You don't want to get too aggressive with him. Okay, so he's not the type to just run up and plop on a point. You want to keep him in the middle of the field so we can easily move to within range three of kind of wherever you need him early game and then try to keep him in the fight throughout the majority of the game. That's probably a decent rule of thumb, but also at the same time, Chris, it's unfortunately matchup dependent, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Everything everything is subject to change uh, with this. It's just like MCP, right? These are the yep. rules, unless, of course, there's a rule that says they're not the rules. And there's always a rule that says there's that. There's always right? a rule that says that. Exactly. So like if you're playing a Web Warriors player, like you run him up as far as you can early on, you mm. know, because he's very defensive mm-hmm. and they hate mystic attacks, right? It's just, it's very hard to gauge all these things. But I think he's kind of a all-arounder piece in a lot of ways. He's a little bit of Swiss Army. He's got his weaknesses, but he's got a lot of strengths. And I, I think that's why he splashed so many places. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I... I think he's splash because he's fun too. You know what I mean? It's not just like he's a strong meta piece, but well, he's, he's strong really fun. and fun. And yeah, let's be honest. He, you can make some pretty flashy plays with this guy, right? He's kind of like a venom or something. Yeah. You can really show your skill with him. He's a character that gives that potential anyway. Well, and it's also too, like if voodoo's really flush on power, similar to venom or something, he can really get a lot done. Right. So you don't want him to get to that point. So a good way to deal with him is throw him off points, push him away, trying to give him a ton of power with damage until you're ready to actually daze him. Right. You treat him a little bit like you would a higher threat model, like a five or six threat in some ways. So, but moving on to his tactic card, cause he does have one, it's called seance. It's unaffiliated and active. So that means that voodoo can play this card on any team. Dr. Voodoo may play this card while Dr. Voodoo has his brother, Daniel token, add two additional dice instead of one to his attack defense and dodge rolls when adding crits this round. When another character has his brother Daniel token, that character does not add dice to its attack, defense, or dodge rolls when adding dice for crits this round. This is a card we don't see very much of, and I think you see it a lot more in fun games, but we see it less in the competitive games, but he double crits for a round, and then if he passes Daniel to someone else, he makes them crit less. (laughs) It's pretty cool. I could see its uses, but you know, it's really kind of reflective of the rest of his kit though, isn't it? It's kind of boom or bust, feast or famine. You either roll those crits or you don't. That's true. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, you also have to play it on his turn, right? So it's like, I think Voodoo's biggest strength and something we're about to get to in a little bit deeper tactics here. And I guess we'll just talk about now because we're here. That's why we probably don't see this card, but Dr. Voodoo is a really good sort of like last first character. That's what we call it in a lot of gaming communities where it's like, you're playing turn one. He wants to go last. He wants to go to a point and like, get to the most optimal place he needs to be round one, kind of in the middle and you go to the most optimal to be for the rest of the game. Or you also like maybe get lucky and move him up and then get a range three attack on somebody and then get enough damage to possess them because of a low threat character, right? Maybe you got, maybe you got one or two power and now you got one power from the power phase. So you've clearly got enough to possess a two or three threat character, possess them, but he can only do that if he goes last, right? This card does not add to that playstyle per se, where it's kind of oh, like right. This is like a late game voodoo card. So you're like, I'm gonna start blowing stuff up. I'm gonna go with voodoo first because he's kind of in the thick of things. I'll play seance. Got to double attack this turn because I want to get more crits off, and I've got to have Daniel on me because I want to be defensive. You know, and I want to be defensive and roll more crits on defenses as well. So I think the little added text is fun that if Daniel's on someone else, they, they don't crit like they're kind of hexed by Daniel, but you know, obviously the power of this card is voodoo double crits on attacks and defense and dodge for the round. It's it's a good way to be like, 
you know, it's like when Mysterio pops the Grand Illusion, you know, like that right. round is going to be a tough round for you as the opponent. But this just, this isn't quite to the power level of the Grand Illusion, unfortunately. And I think it's like you talked about, Chris, Voodoo's good enough by himself. He, yeah, he doesn't need tactic support cards with, with his. You're bringing play those for style. other characters. Yeah, you're bringing exactly. those for other characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, would you rather have Seance or Lethal Protector or Heroes for Hire? It's like, you're going to, right. It's pretty obvious, right? So, a really cool card. I love the theme of the seance and just kind of that he's fully in tune with Daniel. And that's why this is really going the way it is, but a card you probably play less competitively. Absolutely. You know, the game's in a different place now, Chris, like so many cards rotated out. I bet we see more seance and we probably should see more seance because you have the 10th slot in your list. Well, that, that rotation, you know, like we alluded to kind it does, it does make the overall card pool weaker, you know, that's good. It's now more balanced. We're going to see more things. I just love the idea of a rotation because it's going to freshen up the meta every so often. And there may come a time where this, this card is, you know, seen fairly regularly. I don't think it'll ever be a staple or an auto include, but right. We'll see. It might be. I mean, just like if you, you don't have know. a lot of cards. Yeah, it's, it's a cool card nonetheless. But moving on, Chris, to your favorite part of the show. We're going to talk about Dr. Voodoo's affiliations and some places I like to splash him and maybe places you could try him that are a little different. But starting off, we got to talk about the obvious place. He's got three teams, Chris, and the first team is the Midnight Suns, and he's really good in this team. Well, go figure. A character that's really mobile, that can bump in the night himself to be more mobile, and then also gets access to Siege of Darkness, which is Midnight Suns version of Wakanda Forever. Voodoo gets a free attack outside of his activation. What what's not to love? When you play Midnight Suns, you play Voodoo. Let's let's just say that. He is not he's not only a team player of the team, but he's a staple of the team. Frequently a lot of Midnight Suns teams will be something like Blade, Voodoo, and like a Danny or a Mark, like a Moon Knight, like a three threat, you know? I've played that team. It's it's We've a good all start. Played that team. It's a good it's a good start to a team, honestly. And especially if you're a nutrition player. I mean, what's not to love about this? Because like I said, Voodoo's kind of shoring up some of the Midnight Sun's weaknesses in a lot of ways, um, with some of his control that they don't have as much of. They have more kind of attrition. So I find it very cool. But moving on, Voodoo is a member of the Avengers. Yes, Chris, you mentioned it a little bit, how much he's been popping up with the Avengers lately, helping them do certain things. Oh yeah. I mean he was on he was on the Avengers for Jason Aaron too. Right. So he is actually in Avengers and he's real good in Avengers. He's real good. Oh, like every other character in this game, he's real good with Steve Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, and he's fine and he's fine with Sam. Like a free movement and a heal. Now, keep in mind, you know, uh, revisiting our early days of Steve, one of our first episodes, but, you know, we know this stuff now that we didn't know back then. Possession is cost X. Steve does not reduce cost X because X is not a number. And the Steve's leadership literally says a number um, that is greater than one. So he still gets good benefit out of Steve. Um, Recalling Daniel cost one and his throw of a size two or three, depending on what state Daniel's in, it costs two. So, I mean, nothing to be complaining about here. This is really good on Steve and a really strong choice in Sam, but I've got to talk about my favorite place for Voodoo. My favorite team, it's the Convocation. He's on the Convocation list, and they have a really small list, Chris, so him being on this team is actually really important because he is one of two four threats on their list. It's just him and Ancient One. So he's repping that four threat slot. The four threat slot is my favorite slot. Not really. The five threat is. It's the five. Yeah, it's the five. (laughs) The four threat's fun. 
Four threats are fun. There's so many, there's so many They're iconic important. characters in this game that are four threats. And these better four threats can be absolute, absolute hubs for teams or right. like voodoo, just the backbone. This guy, I mean, he's got objective control. He's got damage. He's got yep. other forms of control. He's got throws, big defense. He's like you said, he's a Swiss army knife, man. And that's kind of what the convocation are. So exactly. he's really good at that. They've got good tactics cards. They've got really hard play style, but they've got the place leadership, which is where they get damage. They get to place themselves or they've got the reroll mystic attacks and defense leadership. Both things voodoo loves. And it's kind of like what leadership you do. I will say, I don't recommend ever making him your leader because you typically want him to be in the thick of things, at least at that range three band we talked about earlier. So maybe make a bigger character your leader like Supreme Strange or make a safer character in the back like Mordo your leader. And that's something we're gonna get more into this convocation series. But yeah, Chris, those are his teams. But it turns out Dr. Voodoo can be splashed pretty much everywhere and it works. Where where does he love to be the most? Where what is his favorite splash? Well I'll tell you one of his favorite splashes and it is absolutely just so rude to do. It's Web Warriors. Remember I talked about his oh, issue you're a jerk. With re-rolling dice, he can re-roll defense dice in Web Warriors, and he can even re-roll a skull if he's, of course, contesting or holding an objective, which you should always be doing with Voodoo. He should never be out the ether. He should always be somewhere there's objectives that he can influence other people to not interact with, right? So a lot of Web Warriors players play him and their team, and it's cool because there is a genuine flex between Venom and Voodoo, you know, of that four-threat slot. It's like, which one of them? And even... Black Panther, right? We talked about really the power of having three these three characters in Web Warriors. You kind of got a lot of strikes, but he shores up some of the Web Warriors' weaknesses too with not being able to get objectives off people, and he can get them off people without actually damaging them. And then someone like Black Cat or Miles can just snatch it up and run away, right? It's just crazy. He, it's crazy how good he is in that team, honestly. Truly, I think it's really, really smart just forcing people to drop those tokens and right. zip off is... Very hard to counterplay. I can't argue with this one, man. I think you nailed it. Well, I appreciate that, but I also like him in a couple other teams, Chris. I mean, you don't say. Here's the thing he's getting a lot of teams. I'll just name a couple off the top of my head Wakanda, same reasons I mentioned sure. earlier as Web Warriors that actually give him dice modification. And that's his one weakness. So that helps him out. Also, Chris already hit on it earlier. He's worked with Black Panther. He's worked with the Koya and stuff. Like these things have these things have come up. So the theme is right. But moving on, you know, I've been trying him a little bit in Shield, and it actually works quite well because Shield's got that sort of dual faceted leadership where it's like, are you behind if someone gets KO'd, you score a VP? Are you in the same points as your opponent or ahead? Then your characters can spend one power for aggressive. So it's pretty interesting that Voodoo can like maybe take damage and spend power and get closer to the people that have objectives without taking a move action, you know? So Shield's Shield's a good place for him. Also with that range three band, sometimes he can just be out of three, like you can be in range four and someone damages you, you can trigger the shield leadership, pay one aggressive, and now you are in range three of them. And you definitely weren't before that. So it's like this sort of question you're asking him, do you actually want to damage Voodoo when he's in shield? Because now he's actually on you. He's in range three, which we know is the range for a strike, range for his possession. So it's like, you did that. You wounded him and he triggered shield, right? So interesting. But I mean, he fits on any team that's sort of like, he's really good in wide teams as well, Chris. So like he also fits on teams like Guardians or maybe even like a wide Sam or wide Sin team where it's like they've got a lot of cheap models and he's like their fourth threat. 
and he goes last and does that that last first thing we talked about where it's like he steals the objective he wants or he waits till he sees where all the objectives have played out then he goes to the objective that needs to be possessed so your opponent doesn't score it or something right so he's got good places everywhere he just presents so many problems it's he presents questions left and right yeah that's that's he really does but the final fun place you could maybe try him is the dark dimension with Dormammu because Dormammu basically making everyone super Asgardian during the power phase, right? Voodoo's just got all this power. They're kind of anti-incinerate bros as well. So you play the, all the maps in incinerating stuff, you know, and there's there's just cool stuff going on. Um, the irony of that is I don't think Dr. Voodoo would ever work with Dormammu ever, but we can just say he's under Dormammu's control, clearly. Hey, clearly. man, possession happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, according to Dormammu's leadership and the way the team works, everyone's under Dormammu's control, really. I don't think anyone's exactly. there like fully of their right mind. No way. So, but yeah, Dormammu just gives him a lot of power early so he can basically do the things he wants to do every turn. And you always just spend all your power with him, with the Dormammu leadership. So it really works out well. But yeah, those are just a couple of places that are fun to try. He's not actually a defender. You think he would maybe be one? I know. He absolutely... But he's not should be. And I do believe that he will be eventually, but maybe it was just too game breaking for him. Maybe he was too powerful for that team. They already have one of the best rosters in the game. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Game balancing does have to be brought into account. Game balance is always going to trump some of these other things, you know, if it needs to be so. But yeah, Chris, that's it for strategy. I mean, he is this sort of all rounder character that, you know, lives or dies by his dice, but his dice are pretty good they're raw there there's a lot of them and raw numbers so i find him super compelling in his play style i haven't played him in a long time because i've been off my convocation stint but you know if you're playing i will say this because dr rudy has been splashed everywhere and he's been kind of like the talk of the game for a while not to the level of black cat but he is there if you're playing dr Voodoo in one of his teams like you're playing Midnight Suns because you like Midnight Suns. You're playing Convocation because you like Convocation, for instance. Do not feel bad for playing Dr. Voodoo. You know, you are actually playing an affiliate character thematically in that team that actually plays the playstyle of that team, right? He is a strong piece, but you're playing the team, you know? And uh, if you want to have some guilt at night, maybe maybe that web player play, plays Dr. Voodoo, you know? <laughs> Just think you're about all it. all jerks. Think about it. No, I still think. Why wouldn't you play him there? Because it's it's really Absolutely. fun. Absolutely, it's, cool. it's just too. Yeah, it's too good. It's too good. Makes too much sense. It, it just works. But you know, there's only so many slots in your ten character roster. So it's not like he fits in every team. You know, I clearly did not play him at Lone Star Open. And I had no intention to. But it's like, I don't know. He's just a cool character. And I guess talk, finishing this section like we always do, Chris, talking about cool characters. One of the best sculpts in the game. Oh my gosh! And I just love the fact that they gave him a medium base to make him yeah. faster to represent that improved you know physical strength and everything of with being infused with his brother's spirit and give the model room right? exactly so them needing to make him faster they gave him the medium sized base which gave more room for this awesome awesome sculpt there's just so much detail and and fluff and world building and, and setting in this thing and it's so cool so good We've seen so many great paint jobs with with this one too. Yeah. It's yeah. It's one of the stronger models in the game, I do believe. Yeah, absolutely. And of course he comes with basing details. He comes with these skulls with the candles on them. They didn't have to do that, but they chose to. You know, they let they gave absolutely. you extra tools that you, you don't have to do or you can do. They love doing that. His magic 
of course, is making him levitate up. And of course, he has the staff of Legba over his head. Everything is right. I would change nothing about this sculpt. It is absolutely perfect. And probably one of the sculpts you show someone interested in the game, you know, even if they don't know the character. Like, 100%. look at this. Him, at him this. and Hella are just way up there for me. Yeah, with, yeah. With, to show people. Um, I mean, Hella's just been there for me since she released. She's just, man, just solid. under under underappreciated model underappreciated character in the game right now 100% 100% Furious Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons you can become a Furious Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Furious Finest follow the show on social media find us on Twitter at Furious Finest cast and Facebook Instagram and Twitch at Furious Finest email us at Furious Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries ideas or collaborations and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice it really helps us out whether you're Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean Podcast Addict, and of course Spotify. The list goes on, but any reviews helps us out a lot and helps the show grow. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our show's music. And like Jesse said, we truly, truly, truly appreciate every little bit any of you have done for us. And we hate to ask it, but this is the world we live in. So if you could please keep it up with whatever you feel we deserve, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, you guys are constantly humbling and just so awesome. I'm so proud of the community we're building, and it's uh, it's very great. It's absolutely insane, Chris. The community that is around this show and that is self-sustaining at this point without us, you know, and especially the patron Discord. It. It's just it's an amazing thing, and we really appreciate you guys just listening right now. Even the few of you absolutely. that stay to this end point, but you can find us online. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Vince McMahon is gone. Weird. There it is. It's a weird world, man. Uh, To be clear, it's good. He deserves it. Bad person. Well, Chris, that is actually our main show. It's crazy to be back to it. I'm really excited to get into more of this sort of mystic, magic, everything world, you know, that I'm so excited about Marvel right now. And I'm excited to learn more about and read more about. But until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Tin Buck says you're wrong. 